Welcome to episode 84 of the Inside Jogging Podcast. It's been the biggest week on the British distance running calendar as far as took to the streets of London in the pouring rain and smashed out 26.2 miles. We'll do our best to cover the ins and outs of yesterday's action with some news of some crazy negative splitting in the men's race and an extraordinary victory in the women's. But before all of that, in a week where Just Stop Oil protesters threatened to take to the streets of London, and disrupt the marathon after causing havoc at the snooker earlier in the week. Let me welcome to the show a man who thought it was just simply a good idea to just stop at London this weekend. How are we feeling 24 hours after, Joshua? Um, yeah, I'm all right. I've obviously been better. It's quite nice, actually, what you, what you just said in the intro. It's a big week in running. It was our biggest ever weekly downloads last week, so that was quite nice to see, at least. Yeah, all right, well... Josh is just going to go pop home and change his headphones because he's out on a nice little walk to loosen his legs. So while he's doing that, let us let me welcome my other co-host this evening, a man who seems to think he's the busiest man in the world, when in fact he's about as busy as the men who have spent the best part of a year completing probably yeah, not even 10 metres of the roadworks on the A1 outside my house. How's the busyness, Shane? Yeah, busy weekend, mate. Yeah, uh, you know me, always always doing busy stuff. Um, I'm fully aware that I'm typically not a busy person, but my um, my fantastic time management and organisational skills mean I can't distribute things well. So I had more coursework to do, which meant uh, another all-nighter, but I actually tracked my rough progress um, of like how long I spent doing it and I spent I think 41 hours attempting to work on this piece of coursework from Thursday not not how you meant to do it other than that week's been all right uh do you want to talk us through your training week yep so um we've got lots to cover this week so I've just got my training diary up now uh so for the week, I ran 7.89 miles at an average pace of 7.14. So yeah, over to you, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I will do, while Josh gets his headphones, I will, I'll probably just go through my week because it's not much better. Um, and yeah, bad week for me and Shane. So, so Monday, I did manage to get out lunchtime for nearly nine miles at 7.05s. And I think I said on the pod last week, I just felt so tired. And yeah, it just didn't didn't feel good at all. So that was Monday. Then then Tuesday, I faffed around a lot and then literally jogged down to get the car. So I did 1.3 miles on Tuesday at 6.58. And good pace. Wednesday, Thursday, got very busy, didn't run. And by this point, I was feeling awful about the week. And I'd also found out that Shane hadn't ran at all. And I was like, this is going to be a bad week for the pod unless Josh pulls something out of the bag. So as I didn't have 
100% confidence in him doing that. I thought I'd better run Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So Friday, I we, we were going out to London on Friday, me and Jenny. And despite having the whole morning, some stuff came at work. So I, I managed to, we had to leave the house at, at 12. So I got, got out the door at 10 past 11, 35 minutes, five miles. Just again, having a few days off, everything just felt a bit, bit tight and a bit yeah not great so didn't enjoy that one either and the weather's been terrible again all week it's cold it's windy it's wet well josh will tell us about how wet it was on on sunday so saturday oh actually Friday night went to see parent in hell live at o2 good twenty thousand people in there and what I, was, I said to a few people what i found most interesting was um like, do you know in your your own head, you never grow up? Like, you never know what age you are. So I go to the toilet during the interval. And because it's like all parents there, I think like every bloke in that O2 was about six foot two. I went into the toilets. I felt like a child. I wanted to say to people like, oh, I am a parent, promise. I just felt like I was like a, like 15 year old then i realized no you're 36 and you are pretty old has Just... anyone ever told you that when you go to urinals you're not meant to look at you look around well wait till you hear my story from saturday because i've got another urinal story to come don't you worry <laughs> about that so that's why i led with it so friday um all good yeah i thought parent hell was was good so anybody yeah buy some tickets to wembley to watch them 20,000 to watch a podcast live. Madness. Maybe we can... Do you, how, many, how many tickets do you reckon we could sell for Inside Jogging Podcast Live? Four. <laughs> yeah, minimal. Should we do it next year's London Marathon? We'll, instead of Kipchoge going to Night Town, we'll go to Night Town. Yeah, I'm up for that. We can do that. So yeah, Saturday morning, I was heading down to Night Town to see Kipchoge and Team Project Run. Quite a few of us had tickets to go see him. Is he all right? Has he been up too much? I'll tell you in a sec, if you wait. No, I'm bored. My first, my first story is, so we stayed near King's Cross and I looked on the map and it's about 2K down to Night Town, half seven on Saturday morning. And in my head, like 2K, I was like, I was in Stamford, that's like jogging down, not even halfway to the cricket pitch. London's not the same as Stamford, is it? It's very busy. Why is people up at half seven on Saturday morning? What are they doing? <laughs> it's not just people. They're like going to work as well. Who works on a weekend? Anyway, um, <laughs> so that was very busy. And I think I slightly overdressed because I wore like four layers and a jacket and a beanie. So I got to um, wherever we met. Pret, I think it was. I was a bit sweaty. So, yeah, we met up. And before everybody saw Kipchoge, they, Nike were going to do a shakeout run for the marathon. But they had about 150 people there. And we thought this is going to be a little bit of carnage. So we said to our lot, which is about 25, 30 of maybe 25, that we'd do our own shakeout run, of which I would lead it. Now, Josh well knows my ability to 
distances right on runs is questionable. So I had a quick chat with Lloyd and he said, oh, there's a little like square, not even 200 metres down the road, just do, go to there and it's sort of like 300 metres a lap and just do laps of that. So we stood outside Night Town. I was trying to herd my cats together and the the other groups were getting formed and the other group leaders were Paula Radcliffe and Steve Cram. Or you could have me. So I felt a bit bad for the people who were forced to join me. But anyway, I think they enjoyed it. They got they got an Aaron Scott special because we did laps of a little square. Um, so on my thing, it says I did 9.33 miles. I think there was a lot of variable um distances but the, the it was about 5k then we did some strides it's all good went to see kipchoge um it was very busy there was a lot of people wanting to like get stuff signed by him but he had a chat with law waitman gave out some good advice such as um what to do in a marathon get to the end that's his advice yeah it was good busy morning um straight after that i went to see the main man josh lunn met him at his hotel carried his his suitcase up the like three flights of stairs he had his whole life in his suitcase it no, no, no. <laughs> to be fair i i had been in london since thursday so there was four days of things and i had packed a lot of spares just in case i was very prepared yeah, well, he, he had his Normatec, except anyway. So we went to go check in the hotel, into the hotel. I managed to sneak some some free food from the elite athlete lunch. And then after that, Josh was going to go do his bottles and we popped. Well, I, I thought I needed a, a quick wee, followed Bikili into the toilets this time. Um, You're going to get a restraining order, mate. I know. I'll, I'll tell you one secret doesn't wash his hands so don't shake it don't shake him shake him shake his hand don't shake his hand after he's been to the toilet is all i'd recommend oh, but, it's gone down it's gone down in my estimations now yeah so like but if you go for a wee you never wash hands i never got her <laughs> what <laughs> all right <laughs> Anyway, I stayed with Josh. We had a little walk to Tracksmith because he needed to, to go find a cap. He was very sort of hampered, was Josh, the day before a race. I went to see the... I saw the Tracksmith shop manager, who I think described Josh as high maintenance at one point, which is pretty accurate. Yeah, Ipswich got a 3-0 win, so I was happy about that. And then I spent the evening with Ben Heron in Angel, which was a, an interesting evening i sent josh a picture of ben's outfit which was oh, i thought angel from that from that outfit was a gay strip club <laughs> exactly <laughs> that brings me to sunday morning and we managed to get out the door at half seven for this run which i'd already ben wanted to do two hours steady i'd already got him down to 90 minutes easy and then i said we'll just do an hour so i'd reduced it quickly and 
we actually realised after about 20 minutes of the run that we were both feeling awful because it's the first run I've done in 10 years where I've not had a coffee before it. And it makes the world a difference <laughs> to Ben as well. Like, we felt horrific. And again, I will say, so we ran down a canal to Victoria Park and then did a couple of loops to Victoria Park and back. There's so many runners in London. They love it. I didn't really enjoy it. I like being the only person out there, even though you moan about being the only person, at least you've got that over everybody. But there's so many people running. To the extent we were in Victoria Park, me and Ben did about a seven-minute mile in, and a group of lads doing their warm-up at Josh Lumpace came past the 620s. When they stopped after their warm-up, we ran past. I just told them they're running too fast for Sunday morning. The best thing is, it sounds like, one, you're uh, very much a big fish in a little pond. Two, that Sunday comment is, like, very typical of, like, a dad in the street when you go past running. Yeah. So, uh, we did, actually, we did nearly 10 miles, 709s, and then headed down to London or to the, to the city. So, we wanted to get to Sark for 10k and we had loads of time and I hear the protesters pulled the emergency stop on the DLR so we had to get off at Mudshoot which interesting name and um, run under the tunnel under the river so we had to do another two miles to get to Sark, and the crowds were back at the pre-covid levels if not more so because usually at Cutty Sark, which is at 10k, you can walk a little bit up the road, it starts to thin out. We walked all the way up the road to seven miles and it still wasn't thinning out. So we just had to get in on the road there. And it was chucking it down. So, yeah, lots of people out. Did you see us there, Josh? Don't know if you heard me. Sorry, I was on me. Um, no, do you know what? I'll, I'll go into the people I saw in my race, but no, I didn't. Well, I thought you might have because I did shout some bad words at you, to which just came out of my mouth. Just naturally. Yeah. And then I realised there's like kids and things around, so I sort of had to get Good. out of the sharpish. So yes. I, did, I didn't mean to, and you didn't even hear, so it was pointless. So <laughs> my week was, uh, I don't know, not a lot of miles. Was that about 30, if that? And... I will say, like, obviously I got to a few points of the course at London and watching all of my lot come through at 25 miles, it just makes you want to do it more. I I did think that I've done London, I'm not that bothered about it, but I need to get on that start line next year. So that is my my next mission. So if time in Malaga, you're going to have to run sub. 216 to get on this elite start, Shane, at London. Uh, mate, I'd start with it. Yeah. I'd, I'd bank you good for age first before you start worrying about the elite one. <laughs> you need to worry about that too, dude. Yeah, true. Yeah, I don't, I don't think my time gets me good for age either now. Nah, I'm all right. I've got the half. I, I've got a couple, I think one more year. What, an elite? Yeah. Sub what, 65, innit? Sub 65? Yeah. When did you run sub 65? 
Houston, 22. That's not going to count for next year. I think it does. That won't. Yep. So it does by 15 days. Does it? Wow. Yeah, because yeah, I saw like the Boston Times and it's like a really small window now for these things. But yeah, you're right. We do just need to get a mark on the board. Worry about that first and then worry about the rest later. Um, but yeah, so it was a a wet day, but yeah, very good. Very good day. Nice seeing people. Yeah, achieve some goals, even though if a few people had a not the best day, which will probably... I was going to say, I'm glad, right glad you had fun. So, Josh, do you want to start with your what you did before the race and then go... Yeah, yeah, yeah let's go, we go for my week. <clears throat> um, One more thing before you go into your week, Josh. Yeah. If you're going down to London Marathon to watch the race... This is going to be a Ben comment, isn't it? Of course it is. Shane, tell me, <laughs> tell me what you... What clothes you'd bring to go watch the race if you're going to go watch London? Um, coat, jumper, t-shirt, trousers. What's, what sort of trousers are we talking? I'd probably, I'd probably wear jeans, probably jeans but yeah. I could wear trackies, depending if you're going to be running around. Yeah. And then what shoes? Probably running boat shoes. shoes. Boat shoes. Boat shoes all day long. What, even though you got to run around? No, yeah. I'd wear running shoes. Okay, so I start the run for bed in the morning and it's pretty cold and it's getting changed and he's got a T-shirt and a pair of shorts, which is quite odd for Ben because he's usually dressed up in a jacket and like tights in, in the middle of summer. I was like, Ben, what are you wearing afterwards? And he says some word, which I have no idea what it means, he calls normal clothes suds or something like that. I don't think it's a real word. Anyway, he he then showed me he had a pair of skinny, skinny, skinny jeans. They must have been like female size four or something like that. Then he had these like pirate boots, I'm going to call them, um, which must weigh about two times, probably more than he does. Yeah, boots are the worst thing. Yeah, so Both I was like, cool, and you can't. They're like they're not functional or cool. So we ended up. Of course, I had treble the amount of running clothes that I needed for the weekend. So I I dressed him head to toe in 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 running gear, but because he didn't have any running shoes, the only shoes I had one pair of running shoes. He had to wear his alphas to watch. Good. Honestly, Going down escalators in Alphas. Yeah, they're terrible. The funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> anyway, Josh, ready. Monday to Sunday. Cool. Um, right. <clears throat> so, Monday, uh, six miles, 5.59s. Uh, Tuesday, I did a shakeout, three miles, 6.28s. Then in the evening, I had nine miles with four miles sort of around marathon pace. Um, and I, I was originally going to just do this. In, uh, wow, I was unsure. I was going to do either all of it in flats, all of it in peg turbos, or all of it in mileage shoes. I thought mileage shoes, four miles of marathon pace, was probably a bit of a stretch. And I didn't really want to do it all in flats. So I thought, actually, 
I'm going to do like four miles, um, sort of easy. And then I'm going to actually change shoes and put the, the Vape 5 3s on, try them out. Um, and they felt pretty good. The first sort of half a mile was far too quick. Um, so I, I went through the first mile in about five flat. And then I sort of just carried on running off field, to be honest. Um, so it ended up four miles at 502s. <clears throat> um, so yeah, nine miles, 537s in total. Then Wednesday, I had seven miles with three miles around 530s, which is exactly what it did. Um, so yeah, ended up seven miles, 545s. Uh, at this point, my Achilles was a little bit, I was a little bit worried about it because I definitely have played it down this block, how it's been, to be honest. But I mean, it was fine on Sunday, so I can probably say that now. Um, but yeah, I was definitely worried about it to the point I did my run on Thursday in Alpha Flies because they were probably the only thing I can easy run in and it wasn't like pretty sore. Um, the only downside with that is obviously easy running in Alpha Flies makes it very, very easy. So I was out the door at 5.53. Um, so I did five miles, 5.50s, and I felt pretty chilled to be honest. So, um, I mean, in that sense, it felt good. But yeah, I was a little bit worried about my case. Um, then I did six by 15 seconds with some drills. Uh, then I went to London in the evening um, and I had a day off on Friday, but I did manage to see the physio um, at the hotel. And he told me that I basically I had Achilles tendinopathy in both my Achilles, which was good. <laughs> um, the left one's certainly worse than the right. So I've got a reasonably good idea of what I need to do um, like sort of moving forward. So basically, I just need to do some S and C, and I think that's going to be probably a similar um, message after the race as well. Um, but yeah, so so I know I basically just need to do like a balanced uh, sort of progression of a, a loading plan. Um, then Saturday, I ran with Steph, um, so did three miles uh, from Battersea. We did six thirty threes, and then went uh, had a coffee. Then uh, went to the hotel so that's where i met aaron um and yeah just tried to chill out really i, I was definitely quite nervous because i knew i was in pretty good shape um and i was i'm in an r in like like the pace i was pretty fine with it was more just the weather um and i i was quite confident that i wanted 67 flat through halfway um so i was sort of speaking to clarky because he was pacing us just wanted to make sure that sort of everything was okay. I spoke to a couple of guys in the group, just sort of said, like, less, like, just planning with the bottles and stuff. Um, so I didn't want anything to kind of go wrong at the drink stations and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that was it, really. Um, then I went to bed pretty early, like nine o'clock. Uh, took me a little while to get to sleep, but it wasn't actually too bad. Like, I've definitely had worse. And then I kind of woke up probably about three o'clock for a little bit and I didn't really sleep too much after that, but that was, that was pretty fine. Um, so yeah, I went down for breakfast uh, about like half five and then just chilled in my room really. So we went to the start at uh, half past seven. Um, and then, yeah, again, just chilled out, waited for, um, waited for like to warm up really. And yeah, the weather was pretty good when we got there. Um, so there wasn't really much wind. It wasn't raining. Um, so yeah, that was good. And then started warming up. Um, so my first warm up, I did the the five minutes sort of cut down from like a jog down to sort of easy run pace. And that, I probably did this one a little bit quick, 
Um, so I averaged six oh eight, so I was probably probably a little little bit quick, but um, yeah, I kind of just sort of just carried on going. Um, then I did sort of my my stride, uh, not my strides, my drills, my stretching, um, and then I actually changed into my flats. And then I did the next five minutes, and from going in, changing my shoes, and then coming back out of the tent, the weather had just changed horrendously. So this next five minutes was quite windy. It wasn't raining loads, but it it did start to drizzle. Um, so that five minutes was five twenty three average. So I tried to start at what pace I finished, and then cut down uh, to a bit faster. <clears throat> uh, and then. Before you get into the marathon, like, yeah. what did you think of this sort of warm-up setup then? Um, I quite like it. I think, like I say, I think I probably went a bit quick on the first one, but I don't really think there's, I don't think like that was the end of the world. Um, it definitely got me warmed up and I felt fine from the start because I've had it before in marathons where you can feel pretty ropey the first couple of miles. Um, so yeah, it definitely gets you warmed up and I, it's 10 minutes of running. Um, so I had a gel straight after that um and that that seemed okay so yeah i, I felt pretty felt pretty good but i'll definitely do that again i think nice um and then yeah the race so um from the start felt, felt fine really um i basically stood next to clarky on the start line and i was just going to sort of track him um and then i kind of wanted to track him for a mile or so and then i was good to, my plan was to kind of just sit at the back of the group um and I, I was probably a little bit more near the front of the group, to be honest. So we went through 5K in 15, 54, I think. Um, felt pretty good. First drink. I actually picked my first drink up and one of the Africans had taken mine. Um, but then I think I, basically there was two black Morton bottles on our table and he had just taken mine, so I took his. Um, so Stanley Kono had his bottle. Um, I think it was Pace, actually. And then... Uh, again, yeah, it's kind of just sat behind Clarky really. I just sort of tried to not do too much um, work, and it wasn't too windy. It was drizzling a little bit, but not too bad. And then we got to got to ten k. Um, so that first five k, London, you have that bit of a downhill. So you were 15, yeah. 15, 56 by the tracker, which is you know three twelve per kilometer, slightly slower than you were initially hoping for yeah that was you, the second mile okay did you did you um so clark was going to go through in 67 but what 67 when, to 67 30 yeah but he started he obviously drifted off that which we'll come to in a sec so when he started to slow did you all just sort of settle in and just accept it or yeah yeah it was just yeah well, I think I was the only one that wanted to run 67 flat. I think yeah. everyone else wanted 67.30. So, um, and I actually, I actually said to him, like, through 5K was fine. Like, like even, you don't have to bank the time. Um, I knew we were a bit slow in the second mile, so um, that was fine. That wasn't too but did you feel How did you, for those first three miles, were you conscious of anything or was it just feeling like, you know, usually when you have those good marathon days, those those first three miles almost feel like a jog. Is that how it felt? Yeah. Uh, the only thing I was thinking was don't waste energy. That's yeah. all I was thinking. Don't waste unnecessary energy here. So 
I, I'm not the best at running directly behind people. So I did find myself, I don't know if you saw Hassan, where she's drifting to the side of the group. I found myself doing that quite a lot. So I was trying to keep tucking back in. Um, but yeah, that I mean, my legs felt pretty good. Um, and that's why I think the warm-up was, was, yeah, spot on really. So then next 5K to the 10K mark, Cutty Sark. Yeah, to Cutty Sark. So we were a little bit slower through that. Um, 16, 16, and again, yeah. weather wasn't too bad, um, but you do go up that hill after the, the downhill. So, um, again, I, I actually said to Clarkie when we came through one of the splits, I think it might have been the 10k, um, or maybe just before the 10k, I was like, just like, don't worry, we'll just roll with what I'll just roll with whatever. Like, don't, don't try and make it up if like it, it, the like, basically, you just don't panic. Um, so I was uh, happy to run that because. I was always in my mind is I just wanted to bank a decent run. Yeah. And that was always in my mind. Um, so again, yeah, I got to 10K, felt fine. And it ju- and it started to rain a little bit heavier as we got just approaching the second drink station, which is just before Cutty Sark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still felt fine there. Then coming around Cutty Sark, I didn't see anybody. I, I mean, it's really hard to spot them because the noise is so loud, but I didn't see anybody I, I sort of knew or hear anybody I knew. Um, and I think I missed you. I missed my dad. I missed Maddie. Uh, that was all around sort of six, seven miles. I think it was, it was you, you guys came into that nearly seven mile mark at the worst point of the rain. So yeah, I can, I know what it's like when you're racing and you've got spray and rain. It's just hard. Yeah. To... Well, it'll be worse who was ever behind me. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine <laughs> so that. Um, yeah, Nick Balker said that actually. He was like, Yeah, you just kept spraying me constantly. If there's any if anyone finds a situation of being behind Josh in a run, just move out as soon as possible. I've had so much spray on my face from trying to run behind mm. him in a session. Well, funny, funny story, actually, just quickly on that. I do you remember last year before I went to Flagstaff when I ran with Charlie Purdue? Yeah. And ran with her before a session. And she actually moved out and I, at the end of the, the run she had so much mud on her face. She was like, yeah, <laughs> just gave up in the end. <laughs> anyway, so we came out with Curtis Ark, and like Aaron said, the rain was pretty horrendous at that point. And it was, you know, when you sort of, it's in your eyes, you can't really see. Um, and I was like, oh, it's a bit grim. I'm just really going to sit behind Clarkie because you could feel a bit of the, the wind as well. And like the wind wasn't terrible, but I was very aware it was raining a lot. And my, I could feel my shorts like riding into my ass crack. Because, you know, when there's air, everything is just so wet. To the point, I was like, it feels like my, I haven't got any shorts on. Like, genuinely, that's what I felt like. So it was pretty grim. Um, but again, I didn't feel that bad straight away. But I quickly found my hamstrings felt really, really, like, fatigued. Um, from probably, like, eight miles. So, like, a mile into that rain, I just started to get really tired really, really quickly. Um, and that kind of carried on. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just a bad patch. And I, don't get me wrong, I was definitely panicking. I was like, this is really early. And I mean, I remember telling Steph before the, her last marathon, I was like, if you just, if you get a bad patch mentally, like it's going to come, just grind it out and you'll be all right. And I was like, that's this point. It's really early, but that is probably this point. So I was like, I'm going to carry on. And it kind of just didn't go. And in my hamstrings, it didn't get worse for a little while, but it just didn't go. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try what Rob said. I'll try and sort of do a little surge for sort of five, 10 seconds and then sort of back off. But again, it didn't really go. 
and I actually said to Nick, I was like, have we picked up? Because I feel like I'm sprinting. And he was like, no, we're just running exactly the same. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> because that, that was not what I wanted to hear. Um, and then we came to 20K drink station. So just as you turn onto Tower Bridge. And I was at the back of the group for probably the, the 3K before that. And I was like, oh, I, I mean, I, I don't feel comfortable at the back anyway. I'd rather be nearer the front. But I was like, I really don't feel good. And I was like, right, maybe if I take my arm warmers off, I know there's going to be people on Tower Bridge. I can lob them at someone there and maybe I feel a bit better. So I took them off. I grabbed my bottle. And obviously I've got my bottle in one hand, my arm warmers in the other, and I'm getting dropped. So then I was definitely panicking. I was like, where the fuck is everybody? So I was looking like literally at every face on the left-hand side. I didn't spot one person. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to nail it to catch them. So, I mean, I, was by, I wasn't getting drop, drop, but there was probably like a couple of meters off the back. So I was like, right. At this point, I've got to the bottom of Tower Bridge and I can't see anybody. So I had to lob my arm almost. So that was 40 quid down the drain. Lovely. Um, and that, do you know what? Of the whole thing, that was probably the most annoying thing of the day. You had to wait. Surely you knew that in two miles time, or just before 15, Channing would be there. Well... I mean, you guys said you were going to be everywhere. I didn't. I got thirteen miles in. I hadn't seen a person yet. That I knew. Yeah. Or heard. It, honestly, and a lot of that I think was because of the weather was so bad. You couldn't hear or see anything. Um, but yeah, I didn't see anyone, so I, I ditched my arm warmers. Didn't make a spot of difference. Still felt shit. So I, I had that drink anyway, and that was actually one which I had a gel. And one positive from the race, I nailed my nutrition pretty well um, to that point. So. I got the gel in fine. My drinks before that were fine. Um, so that was quite positive. Um, we went through halfway in 67, 45, 50 maybe. Um, and I would have been all right with that if I felt okay. But I was like, oh my God, I feel horrendous. And I, I think, it, again, I, you go from a stage of, is this a bad patch to this is a bad race or bad run? Um, I think you said it before, Aaron, when you just know early doors, it's like a bad day. It's, you, it's really, really hard to save it. So I was like, well, I know some of my family are watching. Like my, uh, my uncle, my, my, my nan um, and my cousins were around Canary Wharf. I was like, they're stood in the pissing rain. And this is something Nick Hale said to me as well. He was like, it's the same thing for him. They're stood in the rain. And I was like, the, like, the least you can do is actually get around and see them once. So I didn't take my 25k drink and I kind of at that point I knew I was going to stop. Um, and you know, the funny thing is I was still with the group at that point, but I just knew I was absolutely shot. Um, we, we, saw I, you, we saw you at 16, didn't we? Just, for, just after 25k, you'd, you were... Right, they dropped off the group there. You were second behind the group, if that. Yeah, and, and I knew I was, I was going to stop already. Um, well, and, and that's the thing, like, if it was a bad patch, you could ride it out. And uh, it's, it's really, really hard to describe because it's not like, oh, I don't want to go and run 218. I really don't care. Like, I've, I'm sh I've run way worse in the past for other distances. It was my legs felt absolutely shot. And that feeling I had in my hamstrings, I then got in my hip flexors. And the, the easiest way to describe it is I felt at 10 miles how I would probably expect to feel at about 22, 23 and that, that's probably the easiest way to describe it. So 
I mean, yeah, uh, well, I'll, I'll probably go a little bit further before I sort of go into that. But I didn't take my 25k drink and I was like, right, well, I'm just going to go. I know Clark, he's dropping out of 31k. So I'm just going to get to 31k and I'm just going to get in the van with him and go back to the finish. If, unless I see like you, my dad, or Maddie, and I'm just going to jump on the tube. Um, because I was like, I just want to get back to the finish. Like, this is, uh, this is not happening. Um, so I got to 30k and I stopped there, uh, or 31k actually. Um, Clarky was there and Scott Oval was there. And Scott said to me, he was like, to be honest, if you can run, it's probably quicker to just jog back in because it will take so long in this van because um, they go a different way. So I was like, oh, fuck's sake. I really, com- I really just didn't want to jog. So I was like, right, okay, well, I'll do that. Um, and I'll see if I can find like a couple people on the course. So I started doing that and then I saw Channing at maybe 20 miles. I uh, stopped. I kind of just said the same thing to him, really. I was like, where is everybody? Because I genuinely couldn't really find anybody like when I was running. Um, and then I was just like, I'm just going to carry on. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll find them eventually. And then I, the sweet vehicle basically was just behind me. And I was like, oh, perfect. Get in there. So <laughs> I basically, I, I stopped or they stopped because I knew I, I'd stopped. Um, and I quickly jumped in because I was bloody freezing. And I've clambered over two guys. And as I've like in the back seat, so there was three people, like it was absolutely rammed. Um, and there was, there was three people in the, the middle row, two people on the back. So as I've jumped over them, I've not really seen who it was. So the first guy I've clambered all over was uh, Legesse. It was like, what, 202 guy? Then the next guy I've clambered over, I didn't even realise um, for probably about a good 20 seconds because I was, got one of the little tinfoil blankets. It was Bikili. So we had we had a tinfoil blanket on us and then we're both sharing this little woolly woolly blue blanket on the back row, which is quite Tell funny. you what, B- between you two, Bikili's had a lot of action this weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I mean, I was just like, that was the right decision. And it was funny because we were actually talking about how shit the weather was. And he pretty much said the same as me. It was like, I was just slipping a little bit. Like, it's weird. You don't notice it when it's happening, but the accumulated sort of slippage or, you know how high, like my ham- my legs come up. My hamstrings are really not that strong. Um, like Josh said something uh, about this in Spain. And I think just the accumulation there is just, they're not conditioned for it. I think I was fine when it's dry. Um, there's, but yeah, I mean, so, it's annoying more than anything. There's a few spots on London on the London course where it's not real road surface. So around Cutty Sark, around some parts of Canary Wharf, it is kind of slick and they looked slippy on the TV. So I imagine for you, it would have been great. Yeah, when I, when I was watching, obviously we'll go into this in a second, but when I was watching um, Kipton, like, kick when he when he when he made that move around those corners i was like it's gonna go down it, it didn't look like he didn't look stable at all yeah i mean i was less bothered about the corners because quite frankly he was rolling i was not so like around the corners the pace he was going yeah i mean he could easily fall down but i was i mean there's a couple dodgy 90 degree bends um like when you start to go into canary wharf area but I was fucked by that point. I mean, I was fucked on the flat, to be honest, like the, the flat straights. And it was just, the, yeah, I think how high my legs come up, um, my hamstrings just couldn't cope with it. So that's what I think it probably was. I don't necessarily know that for sure. 
but yeah, that's where we are. So I got a lift back uh, to the finish. And I, I mean, I, I ended up running 21 and a half miles, but the last probably like three or four, I was like six minute mining. Um, cause I just wanted to get back and I was absolutely freezing. So yeah, that's my race. So I, I dropped Josh a quick, quick message. Like I didn't really expect him to reply. Cause I know what it's like when you've dropped out of a race and you've got a hundred people asking you if you're okay and you're not wanting to reply to one of them. So, but he did. You don't have that many friends, Aaron. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. A good, at least two people. My mum and Jenny text me, and Jenny then. Um, <laughs> but I said to Josh, like something about what were his legs okay? Like, did he need anything? And he said, "I knew he was okay." Because he replied saying, "Just bring bring me a rope." <laughs> 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 yeah literally, literally. that's all and then, i think the, the annoying thing was i i like i don't care what anyone says about my easy run pace or whatever i knew i was in good shape and it's just i don't think i went into that with a that's a really ambitious target i think i went into that with that's a good stepping stone um if i'd gone out at 65 and i said yeah fair play like that's stupid I think I think the other thing on your side is you also didn't go out at sixty-seven, so it's not like yeah, went out at that's slower, that's slower than I've run like when I ran to eighteen or to eighteen flat. Yes, uh, I know, and and also I looked just quickly while you talk and pulled up your your session from Spain where you did eight marathon pace, one fresh, four marathon pace, one fresh, two marathon pace, which is what fifteen miles, is it? Sixteen, sixteen miles. And you average what five oh fives for sixteen yeah. in a session. Well, I, I averaged five oh twos for fourteen. Okay, yeah. Well, either, 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 either or, you've done some, and that's an out and back, so it's not even dodgy signal or whatever. So, I think the other thing is, and we'll come to it again in a second. All of my runners, everybody I've looked at ran quite significant positive splits really the majority so the rate and i spoke to a few you know good people afterwards like uh Jen Moses um cramped up massively and it was because oh, it surely was because the cold and wet especially for you that fatigue in the muscles i imagine took its toll so you know i don't i don't think it as much as we've been banging on about you running too fast, I don't think that's got anything to do with how you felt because of how early it came. Exactly. <laughs> if if I got to 30k and I was like, okay, and then I'd absolutely fallen off a cliff, then fair enough. I mean, yeah. I'd have ignored you still, but I'd have <laughs> at least do you know what I mean? It's a fair, it's a fair point. But for it to happen like eight miles in, I just think it's just it's just not not relevant. Yeah, I, I actually agree. And obviously, yeah. And I'm, even my warm up, like you could say a lot, I'm sure a lot of people say, oh, the warm up's too fast. Well, it's one mile. I mean, if, if one mile at 520 is taking time, like taking stuff out of my legs, then. And, and you've, done more, you've done more ridiculous warm ups than that as well. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, the warm up's fine. I think when the, the problem is when it, when it comes to stuff like this, like I, I agree with, you know, I think there's some substance to the hamstring thing and it being wet. 
Um, I think that the main thing behind it, obviously, you've you've talked about the SNC thing. The the thing is, like, you don't do any of that stuff anyway, much of it. So a lot, a lot of marathon runners SNC work becomes their running, and that gives you a very small window for strength. And then, obviously, as Aaron touched upon, you've done these quality runs, which, well, we've discussed, have been phenomenal. So, yeah, if you run in 505s in that manner for that those sessions, you'd expect to be basically what you did in London was fine. There's, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So sometimes when we don't have this, like, all I describe it as is like a bit of a window of function. So basically your hamstrings have a very small or possibly have a very small window of function. And everything on the day of London from a physical component probably took you out of that window. But then the other problem you've got is when you feel that shit that early, not only have you got like that, mentally, a, yeah, you, yeah, you me- yeah. mentally, you just you just snowball, and then you're running tense, and then you feel worse, and then as you yeah. said, 25k. If you didn't take your drink, you decided, nah, it's not for me. Like there's, there's not any coming back from that, and and again, the other problem is marathons. Don't you, you know you can't just pop out another one. You can't like finish a marathon, ruin your body anyway, and then go do another one next week. Uh, it's a difference between. Yeah stepping up to a marathon and even halves to an extent you might get away with that but um i think yeah. i think we we all beat ourselves up a little bit about you know dropping out of these races but as you said of who was on that van they've yeah. done, they've dropped out of a lot of you know bikili's dropped out of his fair share of marathons yeah and- well let's put it this way we were in the van and the, the medical team Ed, or someone, one of the elite organisers or coordinators, a message saying, Kip Ruto has just dropped out on Birdcage Walk. Can we pick him up? Birdcage Walk is less than 1k to the finish. <laughs> <laughs> but- and, and even like looking at the women's, like, you know, that you've got fast runners going through in 68 odd minutes and still having nothing at the end. It's the marathon, isn't it? It's it's it is. It's, it's a hard look. It it just proves how hard it is, and yeah. you you can't take take much for granted. And and Josh, I did tell you the bit of research that that I did the other week um, about how many British did it, have I told yeah. you? Yeah, you told me. Yeah, London London's hard to run quicker. Yeah, so how many British men since the year two thousand? have broken 215 in London and it was 25 I want to say of which I thought I thought you said it was 22 I might have got up to 20 I was now up to 24 because two ran anyway it's it's around that number um almost like on average one a year um it's got a bit more recently but of all those people I think it was only Ross Braden and Charlie Holson who hadn't gone to a major champ. So it shows you the level of quality athlete have ran fast at London. So it does highlight that it's not a given. And yeah, I mean, you weren't alone. Were you certainly weren't alone. You weren't even in the top. You know, there was, what, six, seven Brits went out quicker than you on the day, maybe more. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say who, but I spoke to people in that finishing term were like, I wish I dropped out. Mm. So they could go again because, but like, the, there but was, how, there, you look at some of the splits. They were it was like a war zone in that finishing ten. Two again, only two Brits 
no three Brit, no two additional. How many Brits was it anyway? Three, two additional Brits. So Chris Thompson and Mo broke two fifteen. So did Sessman, but they've already done it. So it was only Emil Caress and did Luke. Yeah, Emil Caress and Luke Caldwell were the only two additional Brits to break two fifteen. And Emil, we'll come to in a second, and and Luke's obviously ran quicker. So, um, yeah, it's a tough. Tough place to run fast, I think, and which is crazy when you consider what we're going to talk about Kipton in a second. So, should we? I've got some questions, Josh. Should we go to a few questions? Um, yeah. I know you've certainly got plans, so we're not going to any plans for what's happening, other than say, Josh will come back when he's ready. Um, are you though, Josh, going to consider taking on me and Shane in Malaga? Is what a few people want to know. <laughs> in what a running race or a drinking race? Well, I've, no, you, that's you, probably you <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, and me. Now, there's a lot of people. A lot of people just saying no questions, but fair play for giving it a crack, and you enjoyed listening to your your build up. Are we going to you know what? Before you say anything, actually, yeah, so many people commented or messaged me just firstly to see like how, like, make sure I was all right, and like, I actually really appreciate that because, like, Aaron, you obviously you know as well, it is proper shit to drop out of a, like a race you, when you build up for a race for that long, and it doesn't go. Even if you have a bad run, like, it's not great. But when you actually don't finish, it is like it is really shit. Um, so it is actually like very much appreciated and. I tried to sort of reply back. You know what I'm like, but I tried to reply to sort of pretty much everyone that messaged me. So it is appreciated. Are we are we going to go into a couple of Strav comments, or are we going to leave that? Uh, I I you can go. You can view my comment. Uh, I'll view the comments on my Strava if you want. Um, I don't think we need to go into detail. Give more airtime than is necessary. Josh yeah. rolling at the trolls. Go on, Josh. Yeah, I just I, I agree. No, I think it's just like. You get people, you get certain people, and it's just like they will always take a dig just to make themselves feel better. And if it's not about not finishing or it's, oh, you're doing this wrong, there's always something wrong. And whilst you're, and that, until you run well, and then they just won't say anything, they won't say well done. And yeah, it just pisses me off. So it's just like, and I'll say this because. I'm sure, I'm sure you won't mind, but the same thing happened to Jake last year. And all that's going to happen is you, like, you put yourself out there and if people just are going to troll you or be dicks, quite frankly, all that will happen is you just you won't get shared or like you're not going to share stuff. So it's like I, I could quite easily just not post anything now for the rest of the year, not go through my training. And just because there's like five, six people who are just dicks. So, I yeah, I mean, and... I can guarantee a couple of them listen to this. So yeah. I would just be wary of what you post. Let's, there's a couple of um, questions not related to you here, Josh, which we're hoping you can shed some light on. Why, would, not why, would, why was Ross Braden wearing sunglasses? It wasn't, I mean, if he was, I didn't know he was, but I would say that's actually probably a good idea okay. because I couldn't see fucking anything from six miles to halfway. If that's a good idea, was his hairstyle a good idea? I uh, know his hairstyle. I thought he was when when I saw him at the hotel. I thought he was on the nine twenty five start. <laughs> that was the women, if you didn't realise. Uh, 
does does he see a correlation between a lack of Xbox and his DNF? Um, I mean, I did play a little bit last week. I can't lie. And then, and you, I definitely played a lot tonight. Your mate Josh Griffith says, "What? Which is your favourite DNF and why?" <laughs> Good question. I made the start line. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, my, uh, there's a few others. Basically, do you think you'll do anything differently to what you've done in this build-up in the future? Yes, I will. I'll, I'm gonna. I spoke to about this. We're gonna start doing some S and C. That's the only thing that I'll be doing differently. So, yeah, we'll leave it. I think we'll leave it there. And although someone said, what was the earliest point in the race when someone told you not far to go? <laughs> no one said that, but a few people said, like, you look like Nick was one I sort of remember. And like when I did see my dad, he was like, you look all right, like keep going because I just dropped off the group then but nick said to me he kind of realized i was panicking a bit because I, well, I i don't really know i i kind of looked in the sort of window and i was actually looking to see who was around um but yeah i was kind of a bit panicky and he was like you look great just carry on um but at that point i really was not feeling great it's about nick Barker, who's also running alongside you yeah what a guy <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, just... yeah, you know, he, he, he literally said to me, he was like, you look great, like, just st- stick on it, keep going. Nick, that's much better than I would have said to Josh. <laughs> so here's the back of my shoe, Josh. It's going to get smaller and smaller. <laughs> um, did. So let's go into the, let's start the men's race then, as, as Shane's talk about. The winner, Kelvin Kipton, showed Kipchoge's got some some things, more things to be worried about after his his result in Boston because uh, Kipton recorded the fastest debut back in Valencia uh, with two one fifty three, and then in London he his second half of so he ran two one twenty five for the win, which I should have mentioned, which is the second fastest time in history, course record in London. His second half. He ran in 59.45. Well, we've just talked about all the people who ran massive positive splits. He's dropped a negative split to run that time. And I'll just read out a couple. I've got a couple of splits here. Um, I think That That was the fastest ever second half in a marathon, wasn't it? It was, yeah. That's got to be the only sub 60 second half. I think it must. Because I think his, his second half in Valencia was the fastest before that. And he didn't break 60. But anyway, what's also impressive, Kipton's now got two marathons in his life, both 201. Not too bad. So, so the race, I've talk, I've got some splits in a second. The race, there was about a sort of eight to 10-ish halfway, hit halfway in sort of 61. Actually, four. I'm just going to cut in just before, you might have to edit, just before you get into the results. The thing I quite liked about this, about Calvin Kipton, and I think it was Steve Cram was saying on the commentary, he seems a bit of a maverick, doesn't he? Like, one, how he did that breakaway. He also, by the way, went to grab his 35k bottle. 25k. 25k bottle and missed it and just, like, sod it. He kept looking back lows like he was panicking. He looked like he was actually sprinting. And then, yeah, I think Steve Cram was saying he... 
he's like he's moved around sponsors he self-coaches himself he, yeah. he just so I, I love it it's great couple, yeah a couple of things i mean it, it reminded me a bit of uh sammy wanjuro so yeah yeah and i i heard at valencia i don't know whether it was at 35 or at 40k to show he was serious to the crowd that he'd made his move he ripped his watch off and threw it into the crowd they were half expecting him to do similar here Um, (laughs) did you see what he had written on his shoe as well no i I don't know the exact time but he had written on his shoe like 201 40 or something amazing but yeah, it, so as Shane said, there was a, there was a group until the last sort of pacemaker, and then Kipton decided enough was enough, and he made made those big moves: a four thirty three at mile nineteen, four twenty three at mile twenty, four twenty seven at twenty one. So his five k from thirty to thirty five k was thirteen forty nine. And as Shane That's like ridiculous. watching it live, he's made this move, and he's looking over his shoulder. Um, it was Kamawara had also made a move and they both, they dropped that pack so quickly. So you, you could see they were moving, moving some and then Kamawara just never was closing the gap. And um, yeah, a 423 mile. And, and again, like mile. extra context, obviously what you were talking about the wet and we were saying he was going around his corners. He's going around a roundabout, leaning in like a motorbike running that fast, like it, that stage in a marathon, you're talking even one, like only 1% of elites could handle that on a marathon. Like the, 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 the manner in which it's done, just absolutely insane. I, I haven't actually got the pace per mile for his overall race here, but, you know, he's starting his first 5K split was a was a 14 30 and then they've gone to sort of 14 40 ish so to go from a, a yeah 30k split at 14 30 to then split 13 49 then 14 01 and then split 6 12 for the last 2k it's it's yeah just people think about you running sort of an even paced race like on that red line and then just dropping 40 seconds for your next 5K split. Well, probably more when you put the percentage up, you know, like dropping a minute, a minute and a half quicker for your next 5K. It's, it's an incredible turn of speed. Um, but yeah, it. and what I, I told you, I, I most liked actually was his sprint finish down the mile because he gave it everything. He nailed it, didn't he? He went to the arms, he got the face out, he... He crossed the line and was on the floor. It, yeah, he, he knows how to perform. And fair play, look, it, it's more interesting. It got her interest, didn't it? It's more interesting than just a a guy cruising and looking serene. But but yeah, so behind him, Jeff Jeffrey Camarora ran a, a PB of 204.23. And then Tamarit Tola was in third in 204.59. So we should mention the Brits really now. And it was Emil Caress who came in first Brit in 208.07. Ran a pretty even race, really. He was on 207 for for a lot of it. And it's an incredible debut because he's... Where's he ranked today where nobody's ranked now? British all-time? Third. Third. 
Mo, Steve, and then him is Fast and Callum. Yeah, because Steve was two seven high, wasn't he? Yeah, so, he must be. He actually debuted quicker than Mo Farah debuted, um, which is impressive in itself. So, yeah, cracking one from Emil. Big things to come. Phil Sessman was the next Brit in in 2.10.23. He outkicked Mo Farah down the last 100 metres. Joe, I didn't see this. I, I saw him in the tent and I, I'd just seen the result. And I mean, I I don't know if Phil listens, but like that was probably like Emil's run's brilliant. But I think when I saw the results of Phil, I was really, like so happy for him because I think he's had that in his locker for the last couple ones he's done. And I, I think he's he's just tired a bit too much. But like you can see from the sessions he's done, it's there. And he's just na- he's absolutely nailed that on the day. And I think did Phil negative split or close? He did as well. Yeah, no, he very, did just very, very, very even, wasn't it? Phil's mm. Phil splits. Um, yeah, as you said, Josh, I'm, yeah, made up. It's like come together for Phil. And again, he's someone who's obviously quite public about the training he does, and he clearly handles it handles it pretty well. It's good. It'd help if I could spell his name and I could tell you his splits. How do you spell Sessiman? S E S E. I always put double S as a second on it. So yeah, yeah. Phil split sixty five thirteen and sixty five ten. Yeah, uh, very consistent five k splits all the way through. Um, very small different. Like the first five k was slightly quickest, um, but his second five k was fifteen thirty six, and his last five k was fifteen thirty one. So yeah, very very consistent from Phil. And it, it'd uh, probably went exactly even if he didn't have to kick out kick my Farah. No, yeah. Mo, I've heard he's going to finish off at the Great North Run, but it's his last last marathon on the roads. If you were to choose one British person that you didn't want to have a sprint finish with in a marathon, it would be Phil Sessman. So I bet he looked over his shoulder and was like, oh. fuck's sake. Yeah, couldn't be anywhere. Like Phil, Phil just took the indoor 3K title earlier this year. So got uh, out beating as well, yeah. <laughs> Not a bad turn of speed. Um, so just behind them was Chris Thompson and Tomo. Tomo is an incredible athlete. I think he's now 43, um, Lewis Moses said on commentary. So 2.11.50 from Tomo. And Tomo, I saw him at mile 15 and he looked broken. Like I've never seen, he was in almost a world of pain. He dropped off his group. He was on his own. And to, I when I saw him finishing, I was like, he's going to have slowed off to you know two fifteen or something to finish. But it, even down that finish line, he almost like collapsed going across the line, didn't he? Given it everything, but it's just I don't know. It is one athlete. If you needed somebody to hurt themselves, he was the man you'd choose um, and hold it together. Then behind him in well. He was in eleventh place until the the finish line when he got overtaken by two people, one of which was his training partner, Luke Coldwell, two thirteen twenty nine. So he goes to celebrate across the line, holds his arms out, and two people just come past him. Yeah, I see that's hilarious. Um, yeah, it's even funnier when one's your training partner. I would absolutely love that if I, if if it's like I did that to you, Josh, <laughs> not me. 
And then I just popped, Shane did it to me in Armour one year and I still beat him, but he got the chip. He got his, his chip was on his right leg and mine was on the left. He got his right leg ahead. Our streaks ahead, mate. Our streaks ahead. Not that we're comparing our 1440 in Armour to a 213. But <laughs> yeah, um, good race on the men's side in tough conditions. And then let's go to the women's, which was probably even more incredible. Because, I mean, if anybody saw Sifan Hassan's interview before the race, that was something in itself. The fact that she wasn't sure why she was running a marathon, sometimes wakes up thinking, what am I doing? Hasn't really trained much to a marathon. She hadn't had any, she hadn't any drink practice because she was running in Ramadan. Yeah, it was just utterly bizarre and then so the women's race kicks off and we get or just before the first k at the roundabout and the women's world record holder drops out so three minutes in um she was still smiling so she i i hope she was smiling thinking at least i've secured my 100k start check <laughs> uh, but yeah she she dropped out and then Really, it was about, it was quite early on, wasn't it, that Hassan started to, to fall off just before, was it about 12 miles, I think? She she made her first stop and all the commentators, I think Paula included, were saying she needs to step off, she needs to stop, she needs to save herself. She stopped, so she stopped to stretch out her glute and her hammy, she did like a like a proper bird type stretch. So you thought that was game over. And then at halfway, the, well, no, so by 25K, the, the gap had stretched to 28 seconds. And, and you thought there's no way that she's going to make that up. But slowly you could just see her in the background, never going away. And, and then all of a sudden it cut back to, I think it was just after, it was just before 35K and she was she was back in the pack or maybe it was just after 20 miles, she was back in the pack and almost looking the best out of all of them. And if there's one person, again, I pretty much, well, even to a bigger extent than Phil Sessman, is the one person you don't want to take on in a sprint finish, it would be Safan Hassan. So the other the others in the group, Murgatu, Jep Churchier, Yuhalor, and Chep Karui. I think Chep Karui was the first to go, wasn't she? She was actually meant to be doing Boston and didn't get a visa. So she only entered London at the last minute. Um and then shortly before the final couple of K, I think Yuhalor dropped off. Um I loved at 40k Hassan took her bottle and then tried to pass it to one of the others. But yeah. it's not even like she she took her bottle, she missed it and kind of went back for it. Didn't oh, yeah, she? Sorry, yeah. yeah, so and then and that is the biggest piss take like for yeah. them. Yeah, so sorry, Jeb Churchill, the Olympic champion, they were on the blue line and the table was over the other side. And she made a late dash 
Hassan obviously saw that and then like two seconds later realised that's probably a sensible thing to do. Did the same. <laughs> and then came back into the pack and like went to pass it to Murgatu, who sort of like gave her the dirtiest look, like saying, what are you doing? Like, uh, absolutely madness. And as Josh said, she hadn't practised, so... The commentators were like, oh, it's mind games. I'm like, it's not. She's just a prat. Like, she's just like, I've got a drink. You didn't get yours. Do you want some? Like, oh, yeah. So then, then it was down to it was down to those three. Um, and I think it's Merck who kept trying to make a, a move, but could never really get away from anybody. And the question was, could Hassan find her finishing speed? Because she's never, it's sort of uncharted territory. And yeah. She definitely could, and she she looked, yeah, really, really strong over that last 300 or so metres as she come down the mile and almost looked in disbelief that that had happened. I think a lot of people were in disbelief that that had happened. Like, I can't, um, I can't remember a race anywhere where somebody's dropped off a lead pack by almost half a minute and stopped. And yet, let alone got back to run a good time, but win, win the race. It's, it's, um, yeah, definitely a race to remember. And I, I haven't actually. I've just quickly scrolling to let's run because I imagine her range now from fifteen hundred to the marathon is pretty unparalleled. Is the she's run? She's run one fifty six, isn't she? Yeah, but DeBarber's run 3.15 I think. So, so yeah, it's a, it's not a bad range, is it? Um, I, I mean, I'd take it. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, I haven't gone to the sorry, the British women have I at all? Uh, Sam Harrison was first. In for the Brits in two twenty five fifty nine. I suppose the big story was actually on on Friday with Ailish McColgan dropping out, and so she dropped out due to a, a hamstring injury that she did suffer in the last K of Berlin, like we we did sort of allude to on the show when you could see her finishing. I think that was different, Aaron. I think she had that as well. I think she had a problem with her knee. From what I read, she had a problem with her knee, which stopped her doing London. But she had a month off after Berlin and didn't run um, because of her hamstring. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I didn't read the whole the whole post because the post, the part about the post that I was going to come to was I'm just trying to find it now. So she she says that after. The news of the 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 injury. She was hit by a further roadblock, having told I wouldn't be allowed to race due to a sponsor clash between myself and London Marathon sponsor. I do not doubt that the major marathon contracts will be updated in future years, most likely once the bigger named athletes are involved. But it needs to change to give athletes the chance to be financially stable, and they certainly should not be restricted as to what races they can go to or cannot do purely because of a logo on their chest. Now, I agree, but there's a couple of things I think it's important to point out. So the logo she's talking about is the SIS logo, right, on her on her vest. And the sponsor of London Marathon is yeah. notoriously Lucasade. 
So that's the clash she's talking about. The size of the logo has no relevance to a clash between a sponsor. The size of the logo is in the World Athletics rules of vests, and it can only be a certain size. And Josh will know, like he had to do at London this year, the night before or at the race briefing, you have to take your kit, they check it all, and they even get a ruler out to measure how big your logos are. Yeah, and just to add to that, I wanted to change my vest actually to a different tracksmith one, and I wasn't allowed because it was a London edition, and on one side it said London, and they said the wording was too big, so they, I couldn't wear it. Yeah. So it's a it's an odd statement, and I wonder how many British is now burnt with London after that statement because yeah, that will surely affect relations. However, on the flip side. Why can't we wear big logos on our vests? Like to make the, as she says, to make the sport financially stable for athletes, we should be al- allowed to sponsor whatever we want on our vests. You know, football football teams do, rugby teams do, tennis players to extent, apart from Wimbledon, kind of do, and. It's, it's it's an odd thing that we then have to plaster a massive white bib on us full of the race sponsors and your name. Like what what other sports does that happen in? Yeah, you're right. And I actually think, yeah, you, you couldn't put it much better. Like I, I agree with both points of it. Um I don't think again, like okay, she's saying she's coming to this roadblock, but then there's obviously she also must have signed a contract with SIS that's also preventing her from doing London then because surely back in the day, a lot of people just blocked their logos off, didn't they? Um, when they had to. Yeah, you, but, take, you used to have to tape over them, didn't you? Even yeah. we had to. Remember, like, you'd go to a, a champ in England at, and they'd tape over a Nike swoosh on your bag. Yeah, anything that was, like, televised, you, you had to, everything, like, your spikes, your shorts... But on that same notion, it, it does, it holds the sport back. So I do think it's, um, uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I think it needs to change. You look at other sports like triathlon that commercialise things a little bit more, but it, it brings in money to the sport and that filters down throughout the whole the whole lot, really. So I, I do agree. I think it, it could be doing with changing. Um, let's move back to Sam Harrison, give her some limelight. Yeah, 225.59, puts her sixth on the British all-time list, gives, gives her a qualifying mark for world champs and Olympics. She passed through halfway in 72 flat, um, phased a little, but so did most, so held it together pretty well. And I think she's going to set her sights to Highgate now in a few weeks, so it'd be interesting to see what she could do over 10k. Um, did you see Vince afterwards, Josh? I saw him in the hotel as well. He was winding me up because he, he knew he was... Uh... Were you there when he was winding me up about what he put on the podcast? Before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. He, he was, you know, he was actually... Um, he was really good after. Um, so, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, so Vince Wilson, Wilson her coach and um, coach of Cali Fakre, who paced her. I'm sure was very pleased with that. Um, Alice Wright, who was also on the elite start finish, so in second, was also she was also in my sweet vehicle. (laughs) 
in second um, off the championship start was Rachel Hodgkins, Hodgkinson in 234.46 and Helen Gaunt in 235.38, which were both PBs. Um, Rachel actually raced Tokyo a few weeks ago. So, wow. Incredible to, to back that up. Um, yeah, I think that's probably it from London. That's probably, again, the most in-depth race recap we've ever done. Probably only um, I would just add one thing. My, my main takeaway from London, Alpha Fly 3s look sick. Who, that's so if Brett Robinson wore them. Hassan, uh, Kamor. They were the only ones I think I saw. But like up close, like I saw Brett's like a metre away and they look unreal. And talking of goal crit, like I again was in we I was having a chat with Nick Earl before the for the race and, and Brett Robinson came over and we talk about goal creep. And I found it interesting that Brett, like like us all, his comment was my pace <laughs> getting quicker every time I go for dinner with, with Nick. So every lunch or dinner the pace was creeping down a little bit. So, so goal creep is a thing for us all. Um, other results, there was, I'm just going to mention the fast Friday on, on Friday night in Battersea Park. Lucy Reed took her second win in, in as many months with a 15.53. Hannah Irwin second in 16.03 and Holly Dixon third in 16.18. On the men's side, Sean Antill took the win in 14.25, um, just ahead of Jed Noblet from Luton in 14.25, and Luke McCarron was third in 14.27. Did you go down and watch it, Josh? Uh, no, I was uh, pretty early to bed. I've looked away from the camera, and these two are cracking up at something. Is it, <laughs> is it Jed Noblet's name? You two are too predictable. I commented, I commented on, on him at the Milton Keynes race and he runs for Luton. And it, do you know what? He's actually got a very similar kind of running style to Ian Kimpton. So just it's just the new Ian Kimpton. Nice. Like it. So London's over, Shane. I've always said I feel inspired. How do you feel? Uh, no different. <laughs> Uh, now, to be fair, that like the build-up, right? I'll be honest. Josh has actually inspired me in his build-up. Like, listen to him talk about like his training every week, and as we said before, when I'm setting like my clients to training, I, I actually was just really excited to try it. But I want to do it properly. I don't want to just like, oh, I'm going to do a marathon and sort of. I want to be in shape as Josh was before that specific build, just to see what's possible in training really so i'm no different from london i didn't get inspired by it but i was already feeling pretty inspired before it if i'm honest yeah yeah similarly my I... recommendation oh. would be stop missing runs <laughs> that would be a good starting point well this week for me i won't go into it but i was just like Do you know what There's, I, I ran on monday and my like things were hurt and i was like i've got work to do I'm just calling it for a week. I'm going to have a have a week off and then I'll be back on it tomorrow. Do you know what? I've um, I forgot to mention a couple of Brits that I thought ran particularly well. Um, so as Josh mentioned, Nick Barrick of 216.18 and 
and Alex Milne, 216.30. Two very, very good runs. And it's more watching those, you know, like Nick Bowker running just makes me want to give it a proper crack again because, you know, it is doable, isn't it? Like, you don't have to be a, a full-time athlete to to give it a crack. Um, so, just need to get it back in our routine, Shane. We'll get on it. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I gave Nick a, a big enough shout-out for Cambridge, so he can have a shout-out for London. Um, and he did join in me laughing at Ross Braden and Josh's hair before the race on, on Saturday night. Because we haven't told the listeners, Josh. Josh added a little, a little, a little thing to his haircut. He's got a little line down the side of his hair. Well, I've had I've had this in the last like five haircuts. The only time I've not had this is when Josh Griffiths cut my hair. Yeah, but not in a, not in a, a skinhead. No, as I, I told, think it looks rascal. As I told to our audience of Tissy's group. What they've all got to remember is this man is a 30-year-old accountant. <laughs> that is a valid point. Yeah. You do so, not look like an accountant. Not anymore. Josh, you've got the big phone call with, with Rob tomorrow. Are you going to get back to running this week? Um, oh, well, I had a look at my training peaks this morning just to see what he'd put on there. And I've got three days of walking to keep the legs going. So I actually went for a walk earlier and I went for a little one this evening. But that's why I was going to reco- um, record whilst I was walking, but my AirPods are pretty shit for some reason. Um, I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably going to start running this week. I'm not sure what my plans are in the immediate future, but yeah, I'll probably get running this week. My The one positive is my Achilles is pulled up pretty well. And if, if I was worried about anything, that was definitely going to be it. Because... I was fra- I was sharing a room with Fraser Stewart and he found it amusing how much I hobbled when I first woke up on the morning of the marathon. And he was like, that is not good. And I was like, give me five minutes and I'll be all right. I mean, to highlight this, Josh spent the best part of two days walking around London before the marathon in a pair of <laughs> brand new vapour flies because they were the only things he could walk in whereas Achilles didn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, genuinely. And I like, I I definitely have downplayed it how it's bad it's been the last month, but I'm pretty good at managing it now. So I was just managing it till Sunday. Um, it's good at popping so, pills. Yeah, oh that that was one thing I probably haven't gone into, but I probably don't need to dwell on too much. But my stomach after the race, oh my god! So I had some ibuprofen. It was stronger than ibuprofen. Nandros, nan- yeah, that. Uh, not nandrolone. Um, and I don't know if it was that, but basically when I went to the toilet for probably a good five hours after the race, there was just blood. It was not pleasant. <laughs> and for some reason, I've, I've never had this before, about four or five hours after the race also, I was just sick. No real reason, just only once. And yeah, very strange. So did did you wash your hands after going to the toilet? I washed my hands after <laughs> I went to the toilet, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of times. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was a new experience for me, actually. But I, when I look back and thought about it, the reason I, I'd say that is because I was taking it for my Achilles. Um, I wonder if it was uh, just ate away a bit of my stomach lining. But hopefully I don't have to take it much more. 
yeah. Hopefully. Um, because he also maxed out the Voltrol so much that his skin was coming away from his, his ankle. Oh, yeah, so. I, it, I, um, the doctor actually at the, host, at the hotel went and got me some, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called, some cream to put on my skin because I basically um, had put so much Voltrol on my, my skin had eroded. So she said I certainly needed to moisturise it. Yeah. There we um, go. So Joshua is recovering. Shane, you need to get training. Yeah, I'm going to start running. I'm going to go for a run tomorrow to see how my body feels. The good news with not running is my shin seems to have settled a bit. So hopefully that I can I can manage that when I start running. The downside is I spent a lot of time sat at this desk. So my, my glute doesn't feel particularly great. But I think once I get going, I think they'll, they'll ease out. See how the body's feeling and yeah, just get, get back onto building a base. It's all about the base. So similar for me, gonna get get running all week. Gonna see the the big weeks return. We um, I was I was hoping to have for us to have built up a little bit more so we could have spent a bit of time having bigger mileage weeks than Josh, but we've kind of missed the boat there, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Like, you you had one week, and I'll probably <laughs> I'll probably be so. Uh, you did beat us still. So yeah, that's it, really, boys. Um, Josh, recover well. Shane, get running. I'll get running, and we'll catch up again next week. Sounds good. Sounds good. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye bye.